welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I am joined by actor and comedian Sam Pamphilon. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I feel like I'm actually feel like a bit of a fraud to this podcast because I'm not oh, no. I'm not legally divorced. What? But you said Well, I, I consider myself kind of divorced. Okay. Are you in the divorce process? Well, I think so. <laughs> good strong strong start well i think you know you know when two people kind of just get to the point where they're like oh no fuck this we're not going to do this anymore um and then you're just like oh i'm divorced you kind of think it's sort of done but of course you keep remembering that it's 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 not and you have got to do that but i was actually hoping maybe you could get to get some sort of insight onto the process because i don't i'm hoping that we can just get to a point where we haven't lived together for two years then i think someone from the government comes around and says you're divorced or something is that what is that how it works sort of there's a lot more forms than that but yeah basically <laughs> yeah. um well i normally start the podcast by saying welcome to the divorce club but i guess i can't officially say that to you but i can say Welcome to your preliminary membership of the Divorce Club. Thank you. Pending. Pending, yeah. Um, it's very much pending. You're sort of at the beginning of your membership process. Um, you haven't signed all the forms yet in your divorce and the club. No, but, you but, can... but I've been recommended and 
You've had yeah, two referees. Uh, One of them yeah. wasn't your ex. <laughs> <laughs> and we're welcoming you in. So, well, how does it feel if I were to say to you, you're divorced then, considering you're sort of not, but in your head you are? Yeah, well, it would probably make me feel quite relieved because then I would just be able to assume that all that horrible admin is done. But yeah, it doesn't... I don't know. It's almost like you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop a little bit because actually when you're married or when you're with the person that you're with, the marriage thing feels very big. It feels very, it feels very permanent and it feels kind of the idea of divorce is really scary, but then it happens. And when it happens, it's unavoidable. So it's not actually as, as, as horrible as you think it's good. It is horrible. There are lots of horrible elements about it. In the same way, there's horrible elements about any relationship not working. But the divorce in of itself is probably not the thing that is the scariest thing. I don't know. We had kids, so that was, you know, that's the scariest part. Not so much that you're breaking some sort of sanctity. So how far in are you to the separation? How long ago did you separate? We separated October 2018. So we won. So nearly two years ago. Yeah, we're nearly at that two-year thing where I think you're allowed to get divorced without pointing fingers. Yeah, and is that something that you discussed then as like, we'll wait for that two years and then we'll... Well, the initial discussion, she said, um, well, I'll, I'll just pay the 500 quid and say it was your fault. And then, so then it became a bit like, Oh, no, no, I'll pay the 500 quid and say it was your fault. And I thought, I don't really want it to be anybody's fault. I, I you know, I, I do think it was probably more my fault, but I don't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it will do us any good at this stage to be attributing further blame. You know, when you've spent so long just blaming each other for stuff anyway, it seems like, you know, you don't want to get a court involved in sort of mandating blame. So how did that breakup process happen for you then? You said it was more your fault. Is that because you were more involved in the end of it? I think it was just behavioural. I just became very depressive and misanthropic and I couldn't take criticism. Well, my, my, my ex-wife, bless her, I call her my ex-wife, um, is, was quite keen to have things done her way. And I'm not very good at taking uh, orders. And it became, so it became that kind of, there was a constant kind of friction there. Um, and after years of sort of not quite agreeing with the you know the way things are implemented like I don't like being spoken to like that or or why do you have to get so defensive that being the kind of running thing the there's one argument that just keeps coming back and every time it comes back it's bigger because you've fed it more Um, and then it just gets to a point where it reaches some sort of a critical density where it can't hold itself anymore and it just falls apart and in arguments what I think what happened a lot was like you know like when you get to the pub and you have your first few drinks, you're like, I haven't been to the toilet yet. And then you go to the toilet, and then you're going to the toilet every 10 minutes. Break the seal. Don't you do break, it. That's it. You break the seal. And I think the same is true of certain words or certain arguments that you'll have in a relationship. And I think the first time someone in an argument says, I want a fucking divorce as a threat, then that word loses its power. And so it would come up from both of us. I don't know why I'm with you. I want a fucking divorce. And then one day I said it and she said, okay. And no one ever apologized. And so then it was just happening. 
She has a slightly different, she's not here, so I should, I feel like I should give her a side of it. She will say that I didn't want to get divorced and she was the one that pushed it through. So then we ended up actually having an argument about who came up with the idea of getting divorced. A divorcing couple arguing about who (laughs) caused the divorce. You know, both trying to take credit for it. There was so little credit left in our relationship that that was the, the morsel that we were fighting over. I had that with my ex as well. I mean, we didn't have an argument about it, but we we ended up having just a very calm conversation, both of us saying, I th- yeah. and, and I was the one who said, I think we should break up. And he said, yes, I agree. But before that, he would say that he initiated the the talking about it. So yeah. there is that kind of, yeah. you're like, well, I was the one who did it. No, I'm the one. But um, yeah, I'm the most <laughs> fine with it. I'm so over yeah, it. Yeah, but I guess it doesn't matter in the end, does it? Like no one. No. It just, you're, de- you're just separated. Yeah. So how long were you married before all this happened? Uh, we got married in October. I mean, it was literally broke up on our anniversary, I think, a few days before. Um, we got married 2012, October 2012. Got together in the middle of 2009. It was about six years of marriage. Okay. That you did well. I was only married for like a year and a half too. Oh, well done for getting in and out though. <laughs> like just quick. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, in, oh, don't like this. Bye. Well, we had babies. You know, the babies change stuff um, in lots of good ways and in lots of not such good ways. It increases the chances of you staying together, but it increases the chances of you kind of breaking up <laughs> in a weird way. Like, uh, yeah, I think six years is pretty good. And the children were like maybe three and two, two and three. So kind of before they were starting to really hold memories. So the whole transition for them has been, fingers crossed, actually fairly good. It's they're sort of very, 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 very fine with it. And, you know, they're, they're something they can talk about quite easily and they don't seem too scarred. But, you know, we'll find out. And are there other partners in the mix now? There are, yeah. Well, with the children situation. So I was listening to the chat you had with Carl Donnelly because it sounds awful. But the first thing I did, because people have been, I've been with someone for so long, people were talking about um, like Tinder and things like that. I was like, I want to see what this is all about. Because according to some people, it was just this incredible thing. And, it, you know, and I sort of signed up to all these things and then I found it quite a disturbing thing, actually, just kind of swiping away people because, you know, I don't like, I don't like her ears. You know, it became horrible, you know. Um, so I went on to one called Bumble, which is where it felt less meat marketing. And it's where you sort of, you don't say anything. You just press a button and it lets you know that you like them. And then but only they can contact you. You can't contact them. So it definitely made me feel a little less gross doing it that way. And I met one person and we're living together now. And was that the first person you'd met? Yeah. Wow. And that was in November, like three weeks, no, a month after we separated. And so it was very, very quick and the heart, and, and, and completely against all my plans. It was not my plan at all. My plan was, I've never been single for more than a year. I'm going to be single for five years. I have a bachelor pad. And it's going to be great. And then I'm going to be, have an awesome life. And I'm going to finally enjoy being on my own. And I hated it. <sighs> I, I didn't like, you know. You only did it for three weeks. I know, but I just, I did actually have one other date, but it was after I'd met the person that I'm with. I said, look, I'm I'm going to date other people. And she said, okay, I understand. You know, you need to, you know, she wasn't happy about it, but we we kind of agreed that it was a sort of, you know, it was still very early days and it was very, you know, casual, supposedly. But yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like it. 
I'm not very good. I'm not very good on my own. That's interesting that you don't think you're good on your own. Why? Yeah. Why don't you think you're good on your own? You sound like my therapist. Oh God. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, an example would be that when, when I was married, um, I got a job on Hollyoaks, and it was just playing a reporter. But I ended up going up to Liverpool loads, and my plan was: this is going to be great. Bit of time away, bit of me time in a hotel. I'm going to walk around Liverpool and take in the sights. I'm going to learn about the city. I sort of imagined myself walking around with a map and looking at, you know, the lie of the building and rubbing my chin and stuff like that. Uh, fast forward to me in this hotel room covered in McDonald's and just semi-naked watching stuff on my phone and, and just crap everywhere. And I'm like, I'm, I'm an animal. Like I descend into some sort of disgusting teenage, like what a teenager would be if he became an adult all of a sudden. You know, just horrible, disgusting. I'm not, and I don't enjoy it. But why do you need someone else in that situation? I don't think I need somebody else, but I think I, I maybe there is a kind of a fear that, you know, I, th- I just feel like maybe I'm not very capable on my own. Like I have to be in a double act and I need someone sort of pulling me along to make me function correctly. And um, obviously no comment on your relationship now, because obviously you're living together and, you know, that sounds like it's going well but what do you think that a double act and that idea of because you know when you're married I definitely felt like more safe and like in a team and together and I think the shocking thing about being single is you have to do everything yourself and on your own so what yeah what do you think that gives you just interested in that idea of because a lot of people say oh I'm not very good on my own I'm just interested in what what it means when you're with someone else why does that make life easier do you think well I think practically it probably makes life easier in the sense that uh, a lot of the shit stuff is halved I don't think it's so much that it's I didn't like the ideas of single life I didn't enjoy I mean I did kind of go out and about a little bit it didn't satisfy me I didn't find it satisfying I didn't it it didn't live up to the kind of I had it in my head that single life was going to be different and actually what happened is I just started sort of descending into a sort of spiral uh, where I just kind of lost all sense of responsibility and dignity sometimes. So the person I'm with, actually, I mean, when I was in this kind of, I broke up with her and I said, look, I need to be, I'm just going to be on my own. I don't want the pressure of a relationship. I, I didn't want her to have to put up with me and what I was like and almost what I had determined I was going to be like. Like it was almost like I was uh, on a little race to the bottom. Like I knew I was spiraling and I just thought, like, you know, I need to go and do that on my own, which I did for a little bit. And it left me even more depressed than I was. And that's when I called her back and said, I don't want to just, I, that's when I decided that, you know, if you're still up for it, I actually want a relationship with you instead of just having a casual thing. So, because what I was getting from her actually, because we got on so well, is I was getting all the benefits of a relationship, but, you know, we didn't eat together, you know, and she didn't see me in the daytime and you know I was trying to sort of maintain that kind of existence but I couldn't and it drove me mad. So do you think that you've brought lessons learned from your marriage into your new relationship or is there anything that you've changed do you think? There's loads of stuff that I have to constantly work on loads and I have weekly therapy now I've got uh, an amazing therapist um and I do that and that helps me process information better. I know kind of what triggers certain reactions in me. I know how I can be, you know, where I can be unreasonable. It was almost like I was a conspiracy theorist, my own conspiracy theorist. It's very hard to explain, but 
you know, everything they said was pointed, everything they're, they're against me. And I was, you know, I have arguments with other people in my head, you know, and it was just, it, it was like I was going, it was like I was like a sane YouTube conspiracy theorist. Except all the conspiracy theories were about how everyone was against me. So yeah, just try and trying to be more thoughtful and just sort of notice things with the person you're with and you know, try not to be an asshole. Really trying. That's really good. It sounds like you're kind of figuring out more about yourself as well. And when Yeah, and it's not all good. Well, no, but that's that's the good process, <laughs> isn't it? When you realize yeah, yeah. the bad stuff. And um What about you though? I mean, did it did you did you have to go through that? I mean was the process for you after your separation and your divorce? Did you bit of like, so it's like a sort of an inventory of yourself? And... No, I'm perfect. Um, oh, fine. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I realised <laughs> where you were looking at me when I was asking that question, and that was the answer. Um, uh, so yeah, totally. And um, I, I mean, I've sort seen a few different counts. I have three. I was writing about it the other day for an article, and I've I've had three counsellors over my life. Um, the first one was like an NHS one about my anxiety. Um, the second one was about my dad dying. She's very fashionable and South African. And the third one uh, was one I've been seeing more recently who like comes to my house and sits on my sofa. It's amazing. No way. Yeah. And then my cat is obsessed with her. So as soon as she comes in, sit down, my cat just climbs up and sits on her lap for the like the whole session and she always the counselor always brings like a tote bag with her but she never takes anything out of it or puts anything into it but <laughs> then, which and I'm like what's yeah. in it one day I'll ask her yeah and, and yeah at the end of your therapy she'll be like you can ask me about the bag if you want <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll be like no I don't need to I don't need because... to anymore um so yeah I I've definitely found out a lot about myself. I think my dad died just before I got married. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Which was a really difficult situation. So we had two weddings, one small one so my dad could be there and then the bigger one that we'd already planned where he wasn't there. So I was in counselling for grief during the whole beginning part of our marriage and actually I think that's what kind of sped things up. I think we probably would have been together for longer, but because we were both in individual counselling, we were like learning things about ourselves and that's, and then we drifted away from each other in that way because we were like developing, I guess, quicker than we would normally because we had some outside help. So I was realising a lot about myself at the beginning of the marriage. Um, Weirdly, before we separated, I was learning all the things I was doing that weren't helpful and the ways I reacted to things. But then also in the aftermath of that, I think for me, it's less about learning what I wasn't good at and more about learning what I want and what I think I need in in, an, in a partner and what I'm looking for in a partner. Yes. So that in the future, I make a better decision because I think we did really love each other but we weren't good matches for each other it was the same situations like the problems that I kind of saw when uh, during our courtship that I thought that could be an issue were the things that were there at the end either you can you can find that little thing and for us it was you know the there was this you know this this way that we spoke to each other and we were fiery and we round and people like oh that's good though it's fiery you round and you're like no it's horrible it's terrible you know it's 
you know, n- neither one of us is Antonio Banderas and the other is not Penelope Cruz. It, you know, we don't have, it's not like kind of fiery and it's just sad, you know, and lying there on an argument, going to sleep on an argument and waking up and things being frosty, and it, just, it just depletes you after, over time and you get very, very, you're just so exhausted by, by the end of it. Also, those film-style passion relationships, a film's 90 minutes, when you have to live that for your whole life, it's yeah. stressful. Yes, it's awful. And there isn't, you know, and there isn't often, side about makeup sex, it's like, well, I don't know many people that can have sex with someone they are really cross with, you know. And the argument is about doing the recycling. It's not, it's not a hot topic, you know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't that, know. You know. Those recycled bags. Yeah, or separate your plastics. <laughs> so has the mental health journey, has that affected, do you think, your relationships and your post-marriage experience? Yeah, hugely. I started getting really bad anxiety about 2010 and then can't remember, it, but it just kind of got worse. And I started taking medication. And then when we were doing the TV show, I could afford to have a therapist and I had a, an amazing therapist. And it was, but it's really, really, really helpful. But I, I sort of didn't feel, I wasn't probably looking after myself well enough. And, and I kind of think I kind of unhelpfully, I blamed my mental health on my wife. I think that's so common, especially when you're experiencing something, mm-hmm. you're looking for a reason why you feel this way. And obviously when you're so close to someone, you live with someone and maybe you're not that happy, it's easy to think that that's the reason. And I think with mental health, half of it is accepting that it's this is something in you that's not going to go away, but you just have to Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details to learn to deal with and and yeah. you know have have your ways of making yourself feel better and it's yes it can be affected by other people but it's it can certainly be exacerbated by it but I mean also I mean it must be it must have been quite um a hard on her because if someone sort of says you know you you marry someone and then a couple of years later they're like oh my depressed I have no joy uh, in my life whatsoever and you're like oh well thanks a lot you know, it must it must come. It must feel like a bit of a it must be quite wounding to you. Must feel responsible in some way. Probably, it must be quite difficult. Um, I don't know. I try to be the only depressed person in a relationship. I think that's good. I just maintain just one depressed person per relationship. Or do you think if you were both depressed, you could just help each other through it yeah yeah yeah. well often it is just a hug and just just I just need to be on my own I like a little fort you like to build a fort do you yeah oh that's nice that's like my favorite being wrapped up in like a duvet with loads of pillows if possible some sort of clothes horse with a sheet over the top scenario basically I want to be yes a four-year-old um, yeah, I think my sort of coping mechanism was always just to just to drink through it, and you know, and that, and that would quiet you know the, the little niggling voice in your in your head that tells you you're no good and that nothing's ever going to get any better, which it did a lot. You know, I was quite, I was quite resolved to that. I was quite resolved to I didn't want to break up the relationship. I just thought, well, I'm, this is just, and it sounds a bit like uh, woe is me, and I, I appreciate that, and it probably is a bit woe is me, but. I just thought, well, that's just what life is. You know, you've got kids and you've got to raise them. Um, you just need to start sucking it up. If, you know, if you're not happy in a relationship, well, fucking tough. But I couldn't not react. That was the thing. I couldn't not argue back. I couldn't not fight it. So you mentioned that alcohol. Was that something that you, were you drinking at the end of your relationship or throughout your relationship or just when you broke up? 
Both throughout, but I mean, it, it was getting worse and it would lead to horrible arguments and you would never know where it started or and it certainly wouldn't end. And, you know, we're, we're both a lot better now, I hope. I, I certainly am better, if not completely better. And have you given up alcohol now or is it still something that you you still drink? But... Oh, no I, I, no, I still drink, but I tend not to uh, do it for sadness. And... Do you remember in all that kind of the drinking and the arguments and you mentioned the time in a hotel covered in McDonald's, do you remember like a really low moment either within the marriage or just after you broke up where you thought this is the worst it could possibly be? No, I just remember having arguments, being walking walking in the streets at about 10 in the morning after an argument and just crying on the phone to my dad, you know, and just thinking, oh, I've absolutely balls everything. You get to the point you think there is no hope. You can't see past. You just think well, the relationship is not, I don't think it's salvageable. I mean, later on, you can kind of say, well, do you know what? We weren't the right fit. We were close. It was nearly there, but over time, it didn't quite work. And that's okay. But at the time, it feels like the end of everything. We sold our house and I was sort of cleaning it for the new people to move in. And I remember just going into the back garden, the garden, which we spent so much time kind of doing up. And that we'd had some really nice parties in for the boys and just feeling like I'd let them down so much. You know, the whole idea was to bring them into a safe unit. And then because, because you're not a good enough adult, you're not a good enough person, you've broken that unit. And they didn't even get a say in it. So that's, I don't think it's about not being a good enough person. That's how it feels. Yeah. And also, if you're arguing with someone all the time, I'm not a con- confrontational person. I don't, I'm not particularly argumentative or fighty. I don't like upsetting people. And all of a sudden, you're living a life of constant confrontation. And it's, it's horrible. You know, it's like, well, who wants to live like that? I said awful things to her. And she said some awful things to me. And you hear those things all the time. And the sooner, after a while, you're both just kind of completely diminished by it. But yeah, that, that just, that's just going to wind, that's going to grind anybody down. And so I think maybe the reason you do this podcast is that you're sort of coming out the other side of it. You kind of go, oh, there is something. It's okay. And actually, you know, you can be in a relationship with someone who isn't going to say those things to you. And again, I reiterate I, I put more of the blame myself on on our separation. I don't want to make her sound bad. You know, we just weren't right for each other. After all those, you know, confrontations and, and difficult times, do you then remember a moment after you'd separated where you thought, it's going to be okay, I'm going to be all right? When we broke up originally, we were like, we're going to be really cool, we're fine with each other, we're going to do this for the boys. And that was an honourable idea but it was not uh, as as easy to put into practice because when you break up with somebody the relationship has ended but all the shit is still there it's not like um it's not like the bell rings and the fight stops you know the the fight is still there you still have these anger things so actually um for a little period it, it, it escalated it got worse it became very confrontational lots of all caps whatsapp messages Lots of, you know, loads of shit. And that's happened. That that has subsided very recently. Um, And this Sunday, the boys will be, we've got our bubble. uh, And so the boy is my eldest's sixth birthday, sixth birthday. And we're going to have a party in our garden. And my ex-wife and uh, 
uh, her special friend are coming as well. And hopefully it's going to be a really nice day. And we can be civil and we can get on. And the thing is, you know, we, we fundamentally do get on. It's just that we kind of, we put too much weight on, it wasn't the right shape, you know, to, to carry all the weight that we ended up putting on it, the house and the kids and everything. But yes, yeah, so it's, this Sunday hopefully will be that moment. Oh, that's, I really hope it is. Yeah, hopefully there never any sort of broken glass and, you know, like a shameless wedding or <laughs> I'm something. I'm sure it won't be. And, and how do you, you know, with the children, I've spoken to other people about this because, you know, because I don't have any children with my ex, we do have two cats. Um, he's, same, thing, same thing. He's very sad about leaving the cats. The cats are my everything. Um, but, you know, I don't really have to see him ever again. But obviously you do because of your children yeah and also because you're both in new relationships and you mentioned calling uh, someone a special friend how do you deal with bringing new people into your children's lives in your new relationships well with um my situation which is the only one I can sort of really speak to um we were together for I can't remember how long it was but I think it was about I went we went about three months until I introduced her I really wanted to just kind of be sure and I didn't want to bring people in uh, only to take them out again. So I waited until we were in love and then I brought them in, brought her in and they love her. It's great. Um, so I wanted to ask you a few things that have happened to me recently and see if they've mm-hmm. happened to you and get your take on them. So one of them is that um, I've done something for the first time as a divorced woman that I'd never done before in my marriage. And that was mow the lawn. Wow. Because my ex always used to mow the lawn. And it was a big moment in my life and experience. And I felt really proud. Did you have one of those after you separated where you did something that you thought, look at me, I can do it on my own? No, I've not had that. Well, I'm excited. You might have this moment. What do you think you could do on your own? that maybe your ex always used to do? Oh, do you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm filling out school forms. That do so, Yeah, do, do you know what? Handling some, some school admin, because my ex is... But th- that's still very much a live situation that is, is you know, that can be done remotely. It's, there isn't something that has changed. No, I'm still, I'm still living with somebody. I have not had that moment of succeeding at anything yet. You got the, you got the lawn then? Yeah, I got the lawn. I got the lawnmower as well, just lucky because I wouldn't yeah, have known what to buy. Um, no. well, I mean, it's boring, isn't it, mowing it's the lawn? So, it's like hoovering, although my sister told me I was doing it wrong. You're mowing the lawn wrong? She told me I was doing it wrong. My sister, she said I should be going in strips. Right, I was doing a bit too much of a hoover, which is just like up and down, back and forth, round a patch. <laughs> um, also, um, I guess you weren't on your own for that long, but you lived on your own. So I had a double bed. I bought a new bed after we got the divorce because I kept the house. Well, no, no. I, so I've got to say this. I, I never lived on my own. So I slept on a really uncomfortable sofa for months and months and months. Uh, and my wife would sleep upstairs in the bed. Wow. So I could still do the children in the morning. And the house took a year to sell. So I had to live with my ex-wife for over a year. And what was that like? It was like living with my wife. It was it was not that different, really. Do you think that's because you said earlier it got worse after you broke up? Do you think that's why? Because you were still in the same house with all the same. Yeah. You don't feel the dishwasher problem properly problems, but you were like, we're not together anymore, so I don't have to be nice at all. Yeah, it, it was not the healthiest way to do it because it was just, you know we kind of, sort of said, right, that's it, we're getting a divorce, and it's like, right, where, where do I go? And you're like, I don't know, where do I go? And it's like, okay. 
well, and we did have, we had the loft converted. So uh, after a while, unsurprisingly, our lodger moved out. <laughs> it was like, I don't think I want to live here anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, so then, so uh, then someone would either go in the loft or have the bed. But then people then, so, you know, if she had someone around. Oh, wow. You know, I'd have to be out. So it, it all got very complicated. Um, also, I have been redecorating the house that we shared together to make it more my own. And obviously now you're living with your new partner. Do you remember that decorating process? And was it different from when you decorated your old house with your ex-wife? So much different. It's the true test, I think. My wife and I could not work well as a team on lots of things. Uh, I think we were good, good with babies. Um, but on our honeymoon, we were in San Francisco with another uh, couple of friends who were also on their honeymoon. And we decided to get tandem bikes and ride them across the Golden Gate Bridge. Wonderful. Except my wife and I couldn't ride a tandem bike because she'd be telling me I was pedaling too slow or too fast and I'd get all angry. In the end, we had to swap partners. I had to go on the tandem bike with my friend's wife and he had to go on with my wife because we could not ride a bike together. Wow. So we fought a lot of these things. So when, when it comes to decorating here and things such as that and moving, it's been calm. No raised voices. Where do you think they should go? Oh, no, maybe there. No, what about here? That looks nice. That kind of thing. It's been really gentle. And do you remember buying something in particular or a certain colour for the walls that your ex would have really disliked and you were like, yay, I can make a decision? Well, not so much that, but my ex made all the design decisions and my current makes most of the design decisions. So I'm always very much like, this is my style now. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I don't know. My clothes are jeans and a t-shirt. So I just trust. I trusted my ex-wife's vision and I trust my current partner's vision in these things. <laughs> okay. Well, can I give you some homework? I've never given someone homework before, but I feel like we're at similar stages of our yeah. newly broken up world. I, I want you to find a, a homeware item. It can be very small. Oh. That you like, completely yes. you like. You don't have to... You don't have to agree with anyone. And um, I want you to do something for the first time okay. that you've never done before. Oh, all right. Like my mowing the lawn. Yeah, I will. It can be a tiny thing. Do some ad- do some school admin. Okay, I'll report back. It's my challenge for you. Do you accept it? I accept your challenge. I will <laughs> okay. self-destruct. <laughs> no, don't do that. This is all about rebuilding. I've already, I've already done yeah. that. I've already done um, that, yeah. So... Thank you. This has been great. I just wondered before we go, if you had, you know, if anyone's listening and they are in a similar place to you or a similar stage of their kind of separation or, you know, feel that there are things that you've said that relate to them, what advice would you give them on, you know, dealing with breakup and where you are right now? The thing is, like, the hardest part is is your future changes, because your future was mapped out. I'm with this person. I have children with this person. When the boys are 10, we'll move to the country. When da, 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 this happens, this happens. And then all of a sudden, I want a divorce. Okay, that's gone. It's completely changed. And so that, in that moment, is the scariest thing. It's that um, abyss. I would say stick with it. <laughs> Don't try and drink through it because it will only make it worse. Uh, lean on your friends. And also, the shittiest stuff, that's, it, it's going to get so much less. You know. It hurts 
just like a bugger for now but it, it will get better thank you thanks sam this has been great um where can people find out more about you online oh at sam pamphlon on all the things twitter and the instas and the facebooks and all that stuff short and sweet i love it and do let me know when you're officially divorced and then i can officially welcome you i'll keep you as a pending member okay you can thank still you. join the club yeah but you'll get your official certificate in the post when you're divorced. i can't i can't come wait to come to the divorce party it'll be fabulous initiation ceremony initiation yeah probably disgusting we'd all cry together and then feel happy oh we, we'd all take an item of our of our previous parts and put it in a bin and set fire to it very bra burning i like it that's a thing though that's a thing that people feels do. quite destructive to me but you know each to your own also indoor fires come on yeah no do it in a safe place as well please oh hi thank you for listening to the divorce social with me samantha baines please leave us a review please please um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing, the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.